Do you want to build your brand by being a guest on industry-leading podcasts? If you own a business, my guess is you do. So picture this. You, a dynamic executive, effortlessly connecting with engaged audiences, turbocharging your top-of-funnel marketing, and creating a treasure trove of content with every episode. Podcasting is the game changer you've been waiting for, and PodcastAlly.com is your VIP ticket to podcast PR success. Say goodbye to the ordinary and hello to the extraordinary exposure. Head over to PodcastAlly.com now and let them know that Pretty OK sent you. Your brand deserves to shine, and they're ready to make it happen. And welcome back to another episode of Pretty OK Podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Welker. And I am Taylor Holman. And we just did a countdown from six to zero. <laughs> that was so funny. Who starts our countdown at six? I don't know. That this was requires weird. two hands, guys. It does require two hands. One I mean, hand like, only. Would you do it from three, but because there's two of us, they decided to do six? I don't know. If there had been three people, would it have been more? <laughs> it would have been nine. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, so we are back today with another episode, and we're not here to really bum you out this time either, which is exciting because, you know, well, I guess last week's episode was not that bummer, bummerific. No, it wasn't bummerific. I guess I'm just thinking the other one really scarred me. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Did we get feedback from people saying that it was depressing? I don't think no, so. No, I think it was just us. I yeah, think it was just us. We're in our own house, yeah. to be honest. We're in our own heads. Are we okay? <laughs> Someone should check on us is the moral of the story. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, but we're going to kind of flip it a little bit today. Instead of talking about... Should you be making a career change? We're going to talk about what to look for before you hire someone. Because I know in the beginning of the year, which we're still technically in, even though it's February, is a lot of the time when people are looking to grow their team. Because either you're doing really well, you're ready to outsource some shit, or you're just ready to make some moves and make a change this year. Maybe you looked at all those things that said, should I stop working for myself? Should I quit my job? And you went, no, no, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to do the opposite. Make a change and break away. Kelly Clarkson, 1999. No, I don't know what year that was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, I don't don't know. It couldn't have been 1999, right? She wasn't around that long. No, because I was in... I was starting high school in 1999. I feel like that was probably more of a 2000s. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take my number back and I'm going to guess 2003. Okay. Does that sound right? That sounds more correct than 1999. Such a tangent. It's so good. <laughs> Damn, I was close. 2004. Dang. Okay. Mm. Anyways, anyways. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. So, 
we're going to talk about things you should look for before you hire someone because especially if you've never hired anyone before, it can feel very daunting and it's easy to make a lot of mistakes. And I would really like to share some of my own learned experience from making those mistakes <laughs> because I've done it. I've made all the mistakes when it comes to hiring people, but I've learned through it and you get to reap the rewards. <laughs> yep. I mean, I've definitely, I've not ever hired an employee mm -hmm. since being self-employed. Mm -hmm. When I used to work at the YMCA, I did a lot of hiring for them. But as someone who is self-employed, I definitely have hired consultants sure. to work with me. And there are definitely lessons to be gleaned from that process as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and I think this can apply to both, right? It can apply to if you're hiring an employee, if you're hiring a contractor, if you're hiring a consultant. Like, these things will all apply yeah. because at the end of the day, they're going to work for you. <laughs> exactly. I know. Isn't it strange that, like, some – well, I guess legally if you're hiring a contractor – not I guess, definitely for sure <laughs> – Legally, if you're hiring a contractor, you there are some restrictions on what, like, how you can manage them and their time, yeah. right? Meaning you really can't. <laughs> you can just give them, this True. is the project I need completed. Then you tell, and they have to tell you where they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, like that kind of shit. True. But, you know, working with someone who, or hiring the right person still requires more than just them checking off a skill set box. So I'm excited to dive yeah. into the rest of this today. Well, and I've had many an instance where we've hired someone as a contractor part-time and then they've become a full-time employee later on. So it's, you know, do your homework ahead of time and then maybe you'll find somebody who is the right fit and is going to be there for the long haul. Boom. All right. So when you're looking for things in someone to hire, Let's start by not hiring our friends. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, can, can we all just raise our hands? Because <laughs> we've all fucking done that. Just because they're your friend doesn't mean that's who you should hire. Okay? Correct. Let's put that out there right now. It's not actually a point for them. <laughs> it's probably a point against them, actually, yes. honestly. Yes, for sure. So I just wanted to to get that out of the way, you know, like... Let's talk about hiring, not strangers, but more so like we're looking at someone for their skills, right? We're looking at them for their personality. We're looking at them for their work ethic. And it's really hard to kind of look past those things when you have a friend in front of you as a candidate. So just keep that in mind as we're talking about this. So we want to talk first about the skills, right? Are they well-suited to learn the skills of the job? And I'm really curious, Taylor, what you think about this because I've come across many different leaders with different thought processes on this because there's the people who are like, you must know the skills in order to get the job. Or there's the people who hire for, how do they say it? Like they hire for the the company, and then you can learn the skills later, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you land on that? So I land in the middle. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be that person and like try to, you know, 
have an answer but not have an answer at the same time. Um, but the reason that I land in the middle is because I do think that there are foundational and basic skills that people should have. Yeah. And those you can have check boxes next to, right? Yeah. So like if you're hiring someone to do graphic design or creative work, they probably need to know how to use the Adobe suite of products, right? Right. That's a hard skill. Um, granted, someone can learn that, but it's pretty like, duh, I, you need to know how to do this for this job. Yeah. But then when it comes to hiring the person to grow into the skills, I I, do, I think I lean more into that than not because if it's the right person who's like super motivated, right, and is hungry and ready to do the work, sure. then not having a checkbox filled in I don't think should hurt them. Yeah. But the asterisk to this is how do you have the resources as a business to foster that learning curve, right? Because, yeah, someone can be a self-starter, but they're also still going to have questions because they're human. So if you don't have the time to do some hand-holding, then I think you should revert to, like, does this person check off the the boxes that I need in the skill set category? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it also obviously depends on the position that you're hiring for, you know? If you're hiring for something that you that is really important to you to kind of nurture that role, you know, I think you can be a little bit more flexible in terms of those base skills. If you're looking for something that you're like, okay, I want to get this off my plate. I don't want to do finance. I don't want to do admin. I don't want to do this anymore. Then I think it's a little more important to be like, okay, do they have the skill set necessary? Are they better than you at this? Because that's that's the time you want to look for someone that is smarter than you. <laughs> well, often you want to look for someone who's smarter than you because that's how you learn. But when you're trying to totally outsource something and Get it off of your plate. Yes, you want the skills should be kind of more at the forefront. But if you're like, okay, I want to say you own a floral shop and you want to hire new floral designers, right? You can teach them your style. You can teach them, you know, your process. Those kind of things have a little bit more, more wiggle, wiggle womb, (laughs) wiggle womb in the capacity to grow. Side note. There is a drag queen on RuPaul this season whose name is Willow Pill. And RuPaul always goes, she's a Willow Pill, not a big pill. And I can't stop saying it. I just like walk around and like I look at Steven and I go, she's not a big pill. She's a Willow Pill. And he wants to divorce me. But so that's probably why I just had that faux pas. 100%. Oh, my God. That's amazing. It's subconscious. I just can't because I can't stop saying Willow Pill. He's just a little guy. Yeah. So, anyways. (laughs) So, I mean, it's definitely okay, I think, to have somebody who needs to grow into the job, you know, if the role allows for it. Um, Because, especially because that 
that component of having that willingness to learn is so valuable in a person. We talked about that, I think, in the soft skills episode, right? Mm-hmm. Like your ability, your your interest in learning new things, your ability to grow, all of that stuff is almost more valuable than the hard skill set itself when you're looking at the big picture. So something to keep in mind because you know you're if you're just looking at the the situation in front of you and you're kind of keeping that tunnel vision you might miss out on some really good really good candidates yeah so if you are looking to hire someone who says they're a self-starter quick learn um the cynic in me has to advise you to not take that at face value (laughs) um so what my suggestion would be to do is to ask very specific questions during the interview process about, you know, past scenarios or instances and examples of a project that required them to learn something and what, like, ask them to define what the what the situation was, like why they needed to learn something, then what they did in order to gain the new skill. And if you don't feel like it crosses a line, ask them for like a physical example of the project outcome. You know, maybe it was a, uh, a creative project and, and so they have like a PDF that they can show you of something that they designed after learning a software. Or if it's something that's a little more data-driven or campaign-driven, you can ask them for some metrics to, you know, show, like, the impact of what they did after learning it. But you definitely don't want to just take someone's word on it. That's kind of one of the underlying themes, I think, of just conversations about hiring folks is Mm -hmm. to never just take what people say at face value and always dig a little bit deeper to get com- a confirmation that they've actually done it or are actually capable of doing it. Yeah, you need to verify that shit because anybody can come in and say, I completely revamped this program with a thousand percent increase in profitability and da da da. And have you ever seen that meme about um, how would you write changed a light bulb on your resume? I don't think I have. I'm honestly going to pause and look it up. Okay. Because it's so funny. So someone asked, how would I write, how would you write, I changed a light bulb on your resume? (laughs) This person wrote, single-handedly managed the successful upgrade and deployment of new environmental illumination system with zero cost overruns and zero safety incidents. Oh my God. But it's so true because when it comes to like job interviews and resumes and all that stuff, people totally do that. Totally. So, you know, they can come to you and say, oh, I've done this, this, and this. Cool. Picks or it didn't happen. Or metrics, I guess. Metrics or it didn't happen. <laughs> That's right. Because picks or it didn't happen sounds a little dirty. A little, a little dirty. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't want that interview to take a wrong no. wrong turn before it no. even starts. No, but gather your receipts and evidence so that you can be yeah. super confident that the person does actually have the skill set and or is actually the person who's going to learn it and has the ability to do so. Right, totally. 
And I like what you said about not asking generic questions during the interview to find this stuff out because it's like, what are your greatest strengths and weaknesses? Well, one of my weaknesses is that I just work too much. <laughs> it's always my favorite. <laughs> I care too much. I, I care too much. I'm kind of a workaholic. Yeah. I take a lot of ownership over everything I do. Like, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, when it comes to, to interviewing someone, honestly, try to make it casual. Because stuffy interviews, unless you're, like, interviewing, like, a copyright attorney, <laughs> can be, you know, you're going to learn a lot more, I think, in a casual setting than you are in some kind of, like, stuffy environment. Because we're, we're creative entrepreneurs here, right? Like, don't feel like you need to put on a suit and have some kind of serious sit-down face-to-face, like... You want to get to know this person. Think of it more like a date. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad analogy because you you actually want to, like, be the person that they actually would be working with and put them in an environment similar to what they would actually be working in so that you see as close to the version of themselves you'd be working with as possible. Yeah. I'm curious what you think because – I've definitely seen this happen more than once where interviewing someone for a role and they say, well, my, like, say I'm a, again, we'll use the florist example. You're interviewing someone for like a floral associate and you ask them what their goals are and they say, I want to own a flower shop. How do you feel about people coming in and just straight up being like, I want what you're doing? Our, view, our listeners can't see my face <laughs> at the moment. It happens. It totally happens. Um, and, you know, if I were to be the best, the very, very best version of Taylor possible, she might not care. But the actual Taylor really cares. Um, I don't, and I, I don't know why always, but I think it comes down to the fact that, like, I think it's kind of a shitty way to, and I don't know why it's shitty, because it's not, like, not logical to go and, like, do the work that you want to do before figuring out how you're going to run your own business, but there's some, like, intangible piece to that that makes me feel icky. Yeah. And I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but, like, you know, I have, I have gotten messages like on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and I know, uh, Jillian gets the same where we have people reaching out to us, you know, asking if they can work with us because, and they say explicitly, because I want to do what you do. And I'm like, that's, you know, I, I'm all about pointing people in the right direction, but I guess maybe it's that, like, I think they're, are a lot of valuable lessons to be learned when you're just like doing it and figuring shit out on your own. Yeah. And that's part of what it takes to run a business, not just like seeing how someone else does it and replicating it. Right. But without like really deep diving into a therapeutic session about why Taylor <laughs> is that cynical, um, I would say that that sums it up. I, no, I love it. Well, that kind of transitions 
into what we want to talk about next, which is the culture fit, right? And culture fit is definitely something that has become more important, more buzzy in the past 10 years, right? You know, nobody wants to work in a fucking cubicle anymore. Now it's, it's about the culture fit and it goes both ways. Are they a good culture fit for you? Are you a good culture fit for them? That's going to be the most symbiotic relationship you can get. Um, and the biggest thing that comes obviously into play here is your values, your core values for the business. What are the things that are the most important to you as a brand and does this person embody them? Mm-hmm. Which is why mission, vision, values is so important, even though I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say that nine out of 10 people listening don't have them documented. Come on, guys. <laughs> well, and I think especially with like millennials and who knows, probably Gen Z, I haven't quite figured out how their brains work yet. It's it's going to be something that's going to start being asked. Like, what are your, what are your values? I remember I went, um, after I left my corporate job, I contemplated kind of getting another one. So I went on one interview because they were offering a stupid amount of money (laughs) and it was for this company that did like, what did they do? It was like distribution stuff for Subway. Like it was really boring. (laughs) It's so random. So Um, random. But it was to be their business manager. And I asked the guy in the meeting. Well, my first clue should have been when I walked in and they had every Republican president's picture framed on the wall. I shit you not, a gallery wall of all the Republican presidents. I should have turned around. Um, But I was like, let's do this because now I'm curious what's happening. But I asked, you know, I was like, what's the what's the culture like? Right. Like, what's what do you guys care about? What are the values? What's the team do together or not do together, I guess. And he was just like, we work, we go home. I was like, cool. Good answer. (laughs) So, I mean, aside from the Republican gallery wall, that was also my indicator that we were on very different pages in terms of what we were looking for in someone Totally. He was just looking for like a cog in a machine. Totally. Yikes. Yikes. Most of us are not looking for cogs in the machine because, you know, when you run your own business, you're so, so closely tied to it to the point where like they bleed into one another that, you know, going back to your comment earlier about this being more similar to dating than not – I think that kind of proves that point pretty plainly. Totally. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't necessarily date somebody, right, who had the complete opposite values of you. Some people do, and it's weird, and I don't understand that. But Some people do, and it's weird. (laughs) But that's, you know what, that's their own thing. Sorry. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. I don't want to go into that psyche. (laughs) Nope. So making sure that who you're looking for, that they're in in alignment with, with your core values. And again, like Taylor said, that starts with having them very clearly defined and upfront and present. And that if you haven't done that, that's where you need to start before you even hire anybody. Totally. So, I mean, and I think that, you know, I want to remind people that they don't have, I, 
they only need to be in alignment. They don't need to be in like complete sync, right? Sure. Because people are people and we're not looking for carbon copies of ourselves because yep. diversity of people and thought is good for business. Absolutely. But it's also interesting to like ask them, you know, what they're, you know, maybe in a an imaginary world, one of your questions that you asked during the interview process is if you were the leader of this company or organization or have team, um, you know, to ask them what values would you use as like the North star to rally your team around. And that's a good way of getting them to tactically think about who they are as people, how they think about others. Cause that's really what your core values are, right? It's like mm-hmm. how you treat other people. Um, and especially if they're looking at a role where they're going to be managing other people, that's a pretty good window into how their noggin works. Totally. No, I love that. I love it. And I, I think that a lot of companies, especially as you grow and scale, those values become even more important for hiring and firing and reviewing and rewarding based off of because mm-hmm. it's what keeps everybody connected, right? And on yep. the same page is having that foundation of those values. So, you know, if this is your first employee or you're looking to hire your first outside consultant, you want to hit the ground running with this and make sure that you're getting off on the right foot with your first hire and making sure that it's someone whose values are definitely aligned. Like Taylor said, they don't have to be the same person as you. (laughs) You don't need to look for a carbon copy of yourself, but making sure that, you know, they're in alignment and also making sure they play well with others. That's such a big one. Such a big one. Oh my God. I know. I mean, especially in the tech space, (laughs) so many developers and whatnot who are so talented at what they do but they can't play well with others. I mean, and that goes back to that soft skills episode we had where we we talked about interpersonal skills, but the ability to play well with others, unless this person is going to be working remotely in a dark cave and never interacting with another human for you, is non-negotiable. Yep, yep. It's, and the tech, (laughs) the tech world is like, the per- that you're hitting the nail on the head because, like, they, you know, I'm going to say this. I hope people don't mind me saying this, but, like, super, super smart people, like, the smartest people in the room tend to be the hardest ones to work, like, get along with others. Absolutely. So where, where the irony comes in is that, like, for certain positions, you want to hire the people who are smarter than you. Right, and get as close to like the smartest person in that field that you can. Um, so yeah, you definitely you definitely want to come up with your own set of questions um, to figure out whether or not they they can actually be a team player. Because again, mm-hmm. like saying you're a team player and actually being a team player are very different things. Um, especially if someone has an ego or is stubborn. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of the the flags that that I always have, yeah, because um, those are not going to get better with time. No, 
they are not. They are not. Um, and this is where you can start to like, uh, how do I want to say this? This is how you can unknowingly invite a toxic personality into your yep. organization. And then it's just a slippery, slidey shit slope. Yep. A slippery, slidey shit sh- slope. Oh, I couldn't do it. <laughs> a slippery, slidey shit slope. There, I did it. There you go. That's what that is. Yeah. So, um, which that becomes systemic, right? It, it goes mm-hmm. beyond that one individual. And so then you end up with a bunch of fires that yep. you need to put out. So this is, while it's just like a bullet point in the long list of things, is a very important bullet point. It is bolded and underlined and italicized. Yes, yes. Because um, if you don't want to be a leader who is on the defensive mm-hmm. about another person on your team, this mm-hmm. is a really big one. So, yeah, because no matter how good they are, you can find someone who's also good at what they do. Nobody's irreplaceable when it comes to, you know, your job and who you're hiring. So that kind of like toxicity is not worth letting it thrive in your environment. And a good way to kind of keep an eye out for this when you're at the beginning of that is looking at the resume and looking at have they been at jobs only for short stints of time, right? Like if they've got a lot of like six month to one year kind of ranges on there, that should send up a little red flag and that's something you want to address. You want to ask them. Also checking references. If none of their references are from recent jobs, again, another red flag. The fact that like they don't want you talking to people they've worked with recently. So Spidey sense should be going off. Oh, tingling. Should be tingling. <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to be up to you to do your homework to and and make sure that you do your research and to not let that toxic toxic mold start growing. Yeah. And you know, if you are someone who already has other team members or employees, then it is a good idea to have somebody else also have a conversation yeah. with the person you're thinking about hiring. And it doesn't have to be a full-blown interview. It can be a 15, 20-minute conversation just to, like, touch base, enough time to get their, like, gut reaction yep. about that person. Um, so that's a pretty easy way to implement another layer into making sure that somebody somebody actually is a culture fit for your team. Yep. Yeah, I used to – so I do, like, the initial interviews, right, with – with whatever manager, like I do the phone interview, maybe just kind of like a, an initial kickoff. And then with whatever department head I was hiring for, do the actual interview with them. And then when it was like the last person, we're like, okay, I think this is who we want. We'd go have just a really chill lunch with the rest of the department heads. And honestly, like everybody had to sign off. Like it had to be like, if anybody had any red flags, we went, okay, nope. You know, like, very, very rarely did that happen, but when it did, you know, you took it more seriously because you're like, oh, okay, this is, something's off here and we don't want this to become an issue. So better find someone now than deal with this later. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like 
again, you're looking at that resume and they're bouncing around all over the place. You want to make sure that you're, you're looking for someone who's going to stick around when you're hiring people because the whole onboarding and hiring process <laughs> takes a lot of resources. And then to just have to do it over again in a short period of time is incredibly frustrating. Yep. And it totally is a momentum killer, yeah. right? Like, because you get going with someone and then having to literally hit the brakes and start over again. Yeah. It's, to me, it is not like a, a direct time relationship. It's actually exponential because you're like, again, people can't see my fingers, but like you're moving <laughs> along and then you have to stop and then you have to go past and back to where you were when you started in time. So it's like you literally lose ground and what you may have invested like six months in to start completely over puts you more like nine months back in time, yeah. so to speak, right? So, I mean, no pressure, guys. No pressure. <laughs> It's just, it's not something to take lightly when you're hiring someone. It's bringing a new member into your family, especially if you're a business owner. This is your baby. You know, it's like you wouldn't let just anybody around your child. <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, so the interesting thing for a lot of our friends who own businesses is a lot of them have like very, or not have like, Speak proper English, Taylor. <laughs> Have a need for very seasonal temporary hires. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about that, obviously, almost the entire process is a little bit different because yeah. you're looking at someone for a temporary period of time. Um, in my mind, it's more about checking off boxes of skills as sure. opposed to culture fit and longevity of your working relationship. Yeah. But, I mean, is there is there anything that in your HR experience that you would advise folks who are, you know, hiring for, you know, Valentine's Day pushes because they own floral studios or, you know, leading up into the holidays because they need extra hands on deck to – Process yeah. orders. I mean, honestly, I still say stay as close to that process as possible because they are still representing your business. Even if it's for a short time, they're still representing your brand. They're still contributing. And like we kind of talked about at the beginning, there's always that opportunity for it to grow into something else. You never know when like a, a contract hire or like a short-term person is going to turn out to be exactly what you needed for this new role down the line, right? So I, while I don't think, like, say you're needing to hire delivery drivers for the holiday season, I think, like, obviously it doesn't have to be as intense of a culture fit kind of interview, but, you know, you don't want just some random person who's just going to go throw the boxes on the, the step and drive away and take the take their paycheck and go like, it's still a representation of your brand. And so there still needs to be that thought into everything that you do. And I think that that honestly 
says something to the rest of your team if you are as thoughtful about the seasonal temporary hires as you are about the regular ones. I think that shows them that you really do take the values seriously of the business. Um, so it's just more so doing a modified version, you know, like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like, oh, okay, we got to take this delivery driver out to lunch with everybody from the management team. <laughs> like it doesn't have to be that serious, but it does need to, there still needs to be kind of that checklist of things. Like, do they have the skills? Are they a culture fit? Could, will they come back? You know, could I potentially see them growing with the company? I think that that is important to, to still maintain. Gotcha. So like asking yourself, would you want to work with this person again during the process before even potentially hiring them? Yeah. Because it also makes it easy come the next time you need like, you know, seasonal help. You're like, Hey, so-and-so you want to work again? Cool. Mm -hmm. Great. It cuts down on that need to go through the process all over again. Yep. Cool. Love it. Um, In terms of figuring out if someone's likely to stick around or not. This is always interesting to me because it's very psychological because you can't, I mean, it's probably not kosher to just like straight up ask someone how long you're going to stay at this job. Right. Maybe it's not even legal, right? I don't know. I'm not, I I don't work in HR. Um, But it is important to get at least some sort of temperature reading on it. Mm-hmm. So I, what do you think about like asking people what their personal goals are? Um, I mean, it kind of ties back to that scenario that you talked about earlier where, you know, someone says they want to own a flower shop and they're, yeah. they're uh, coming to you for a job, which that becomes a, a flag of sorts or something mm-hmm. to at least have your spidey sense pay attention to because you're like, oh, if I'm, if I as the business owner, I'm looking for someone to stick around for two or three years and someone's telling me that they want to just be their own flower shop owner, they're probably not going to do that. Totally. Um, so are there any other things that you think people can look for? Well, so I think you need to ask those questions, but you need to leave them a little less open-ended. So I would suggest saying, like, asking them, what's, what does your one-year plan look like? You know, what kind of goals do you have for yourself in the next year? And then you can go bigger picture from there, kind of based on what they're saying. So if, like, their one-year goal uh, is like, oh, I want to go back to school or I want to travel, it's like, ding, ding, ding. Hello. Like they're very clearly not thinking long-term. And so I think you, you have to be very conscientious about the questions that you ask, leaving open-ended questions. Like what are your personal goals can be like, kind of what's the word? They, it gives more opportunity to bullshit. I feel like mm-hmm. as opposed to asking them, stuff with with timestamps and deadlines and more of that putting more of kind of those restrictions on or parameters not restrictions but parameters on the on the responses yeah so I mean it's just asking thoughtful questions that you know you're not going to get bullshitted on and 
it's easier said than done, obviously, because people are very good bullshitters. Yeah, girl included. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that it's harder for people to give you bullshit when you close in the the reins of what they're what you're asking. If that yep. makes sense. Totally. Yep. If you ask a very specific question, even if it's not super specific, you can tell when someone starts to do like a political dance around them. Totally. Right. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a, it's not the most concrete of answers I could ever give you, but you got to thread the needle and find that, you know, that middle ground where at least you're creating guardrails to, to see if they're going to try to like, slip out of it or if they're just going to tell you what their one-year goal is. Well, and and honestly, it kind of all just comes down to intuition because if there was a 100% perfect formula for hiring people, somebody would have discovered it. They would have cashed in on it by now. But really, it just comes down to your individual business, your values, and then your gut. Your gut is going to tell you a lot about someone Um if you have any red flags during that initial period, it's probably a good sign that they're not the right fit for you. Very rarely does it happen where it's like, well, I had red flags, I had these reservations, but then it turned out that they were the perfect person. I mean, it can happen, but more likely than not, it won't. (laughs) So better safe than sorry, I say. So it's really, you just have to listen to your gut and also it's going to be a bit of trial and error because you're new to this hiring process you're new to figuring out okay what do I want to know what do I need to know in order to make the right choices for who I'm bringing on to my team it's going to be trial and error you might hire some shitty people and go well lesson learned but hopefully you listen to this episode and you're feeling a little more confident in it (laughs) and you're less likely to make those mistakes But you will make them, right? Like, you know, I have uh, hired consultants in the past um, to help with other business, not consultants to help. Well, I guess technically I have hired consultants like you to help me with my consulting business. But um, in the last two years, we'll put a time frame on it. I have hired outside consultants for other businesses. You know, I, even though they were people who were very capable and smart in their, like, their area of expertise, they ended up not being the right fit for, like, very nuanced reasons. Yep. And that's fine, right? Like, you know, it's just a part of being a business owner is you're not going to hit the nail on the head every single time. Right. Even when you feel really good about, you know, working with one particular person, you know, like shit just kind of, that's life. It's just life. So don't be super hard on yourself if someone that you thought was going to be the perfect person for the role turns out to just be a mediocre option and you need to continue the hunt. Yeah. And it can also happen, you know, where the role changed, the company has evolved, and maybe if they were the perfect person for that small period of time, they no longer are, but that's another podcast for another day. Well, that is, those are all of our tidbits and tricks Mm -hmm. for 
finding and hiring badass people for your business, but also accepting mistakes if you make them. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) No judgment Uh, here. No judgment. But show notes will be up on prettyokpodcast.com. And if you all would accept my bribe and leave, <laughs> I'm just going to start calling it a bribe. I'm bribing Don't you. Don't call it a bribe. <laughs> uh, please, if we made you laugh out loud today, or even like a, a in your head laugh, if we made you laugh today, we'd appreciate a review, a like, a subscribe. Yeah. So. If you listened to this podcast and you thought, man, I'm glad I'm listening to this podcast and not Joe Rogan's podcast, please go leave us a, a review. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because um, we super appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We have fun doing it, but we have fun doing it because we know that you guys are having fun listening. Our next episode is um, Anatomy of a Good Website. Hey. Oh, that's going to be good. Maybe guys. Good it's going to be good. Buckle up. Um, so we will be back with that. And until then, you can catch some fun stuff on the gram. And have a great rest of your day, everyone. Bye. Bye.